boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Yes, good morning everyone and welcome to Talking Greyhounds. Trent Mason Elder with you for the final time, my final show here, joined by Simone Fisher. G'day Simone, how are you? I'm good, thanks Trent. I'm a little bit sad that uh, we've spent six months together doing this show and it's been fantastic, but um, obviously things in life do change and that's one of those things for you, but I will still be here, but we're up to our 99th show today, which is very exciting, so we'll start the new year next week with um, the 100th show. Yeah. Unfortunately, I couldn't be here to help you uh, raise the bat and see in the, uh, the 100 shows. Fantastic effort from you. You've uh, done, done an outstanding job with this show, and I know it's uh, very popular. A lot of the trainers and uh, people in the Greyhound Racing community listen each and every Saturday. We've got another big show planned today. What have we got coming up? A little bit different, Trent. I thought, uh, given that it's the end of the year and we've had so many highlights and great racing to celebrate, we'll take a look back at some of those highlights. Yeah, looking forward to that first, though. <laughs> What's making news around the kennels? And we'll kick off Simone with the news of the week with the Sale Cup, which was run on Boxing Day. It was. Neo Cleo was the favourite. Um, it was taken out by her. She'd been in, in a number of group races, but this was her first Group 1 win for trainer and owner Wendy Neocleus. Sadly, the 2018 Sale Cup will be the last for club manager Des Dooley. He's overseen the last 24 Cups and has made, made the Sale Greyhound Racing Club what it is today. The circumstances, Trent, that have led to Des's retirement haven't been ideal, but um, his passion and knowledge of the industry is second to none, and he's contributed so much that people will never know or never probably fully appreciate. So on a personal note, I'd like to wish him all the best for the future because he's been terrific to deal with over the many years that I've worked with the Sale Club, doing the hostings there and um, even on radio. Yeah, we wish uh, Des uh, all the best in whatever lies ahead. And we had some sad news with a former Sale Cup winner as well. That's right. Dundee Osprey passed away um, after a short illness just re- recently for owner-trainer Jeffrey Scott Smith. Now, he won the 2016 Sale Cup, which was one that I'll never forget because we ran second in it. But he was an outstanding chaser. Won three Group 1s from memory and amassed over $530,000 in stakes. And we had the heats of the Silver Chief last week. We did eight semifinals of the Silver Chief last week. So Sorry, heats last week, four semifinals tonight uh, will be contested at the Meadows. There were some outstanding runs, as you would expect, and uh, Deliver was the quickest of the night, running a 29.68. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. All right, Simone, you mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to look back on the year that was in the world of greyhound racing and uh, plenty of highlights, and uh, we're going to take in some of the replays of some of the outstanding victories and stories from throughout the year. So uh, I'll throw it over to you, and we're going to open up here, of course, with some of the rivalries uh, in greyhound racing. There were some memorable moments, weren't there, Trent, throughout 2018, but we had that continuous battle of the brothers between Rip and Sam and Tornado Tears, and also the Battle of the Girls, Uphill Jill and Strike a Light. Uh, they were always sensational to watch and um, who was going to win. Sometimes the tables turned, sometimes they didn't. We also had the Nationals, which were held at Sandown this year, along with many other events leading up to the night. We had the emergence of some potential superstars. Um, that is Black Opium, probably the biggest rising star we have at the moment and also some outstanding training feats uh, Robert Britton 
running the trifecta in the RSN Sandown Cup is one that comes to mind. Yeah, he seemed to own the staying races for much of the year, did Rob, with um, the likes of Tornado Tears and Rip and Stam- Sam and Barcali as well. It's not a bad third seed to have. And Tornado Tears, unfortunately, we lost him due to injury towards the latter part of the year, but hopefully he's not too far away from a race track racetrack return. I can't wait to see him back in action to see what he can do. Uh, we had a number of top-class dogs retired as well. We did. They include Raw Ability, Dundee Osprey, as we've mentioned, an unlawful entry, but also Fanta Bale, Uphill Jill, Strike a Light and Aston DB all retired from racing. Uh, when you hear those names, Trent, gee, there's some, some talent there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, You sort of sometimes forget, given that we're heading towards a new year, that Fanta Bale actually retired this year. It seems like um, it was such a long time ago but she was still racing uh, earlier this year and we're going to hear one of those replays a little bit uh, later but um, you wanted to make mention of uh, Uphill Jill. I did well Uphill Jill and Strike a Light like we've mentioned have met on many occasions occasions. I think it would be right to listen to one of their victories each and Uphill Jill taking out the Easter egg back in March this year at uh, Wentworth Park. She'd contested 10 group ones and she's won two of them. Racing, Strike a Light and Uphill Jill both began brilliantly. Strike a Light is going to go through. Lead Uphill Jill followed by Crash Bandicoot. Wider out on the track, Bombshell Bandit, Jill Caroma. Then Fernando Express, Miss Splendor Miro. Two times twice at the tail. Top corner, Strike a Light. She leads by four to Uphill Jill. A long gap to Jill Caroma going to third. They swing. Strike a Light by Till. Uphill Jill coming. Strike a Light. Uphill Jill. They hit it. Uphill Jill. She's nailed Striker Light right on the wire. What another great race. They were followed in by Fernando Express, who was hammering... The oh, line. that was an absolutely sensational race and a great call there from Tim Newbold. Uh, Striker Light out in front of her arch rival and then Uphill Jill just uh, mowed her down late. It was um, just one of those races that we came to expect, didn't we? Who was going to get there? It was always somewhat of a battle, but then Striker Light uh, managed to win... Her third Group 1 in the Tem Lee at the Meadows earlier this year. Um, it was her 11th Group 1 final also, Trent. Racing. Aston DB a little bit slow to begin. Speed there from Striker Light going through to lead them on the inside. Up to second, Kurta maybe out of the straight. A bit of a jam there. And shooting clear of Striker Light going to the back straight. It raced away. Strike Light's 10 in front. Aston DB going around the outside of Slicker. They were followed then by Bewildering. Then Poke the Bear followed by Kurta May and Rora Billy. And out of range back of the tower. Coming off the back those Strike Light as well clear. Over Slick up to second. Followed then by Aston DB. In the straight and Striker Light is clear. Flying at the end Slick but Striker Light won the team lead. Slick second, third spot on the race would probably go to Aston DB. Close hand, he poked about. Oh, I was just so happy for Strike a Light, in particular our good mate George Ferruja as well, to get that huge one of the uh, the time honoured races on the calendar, the Temley with uh, Strike a Light. Gee, she was a good dog. Oh, she certainly was. And just to be running in top class company all the time, I mean, there was never a let up, was there? Yep. It was always, you had to be on your A game. And. Um, you know, obviously there's times that she was and there's times that she probably fell short a bit, but that's to be expected with any greyhound. They can't be machines every run that you, um, every race that you put them into. But, gee, she was exciting and uh, what was it was over $800,000, I think, yeah. she, she won. So Both I mean, so consistent as well and always performing at the top level. They were just so tough, so durable, those dogs, and they'd go off the scene, you know, have a little break or an injury or whatever, and they'd always bounce back. They were just so resilient, and that rivalry was one of the highlights of the year, no doubt about it. So great to uh, take in some of those replays, and we wish the both of them all the best in retirement. Of course, uphill Jill following Strike a Light into retirement to uh, 
to breeding the breeding scene not too long ago for David Gill, who uh, then came out and won the Melbourne Cup in the same week. <laughs> <That's> so <right. laughs> he loses one of his stars and my redeemer comes out and win the Mel- wins the Melbourne Cup. Let's talk about Fanna Bale, as I mentioned not too long ago. Uh, she was still racing at the start of this year and, boy, uh, what are the, one of the absolute best. Just in terms, I can ask you this, where do you rank her as uh, as in terms of the all-time greats? Look, Trent, I can only speak in my lifetime that I've been involved in Greyhounds because I wasn't around the era of Tim Lee and Zoom Top. Yep. And I think this is where we all get a bit too carried away. It's like comparing Winks with Farlap, yes. I guess. And so in my lifetime, I would probably have to say she is up there with one of the best. And then I look at Fernando Bale as well. So I, I wouldn't like to put her in an order number, but um, given her record, given her the way she raced and given her... Um, What's the what's the word consistency? Yep. She'd have to be in the top three, absolutely no doubt. But I would never want to go and say she is the greatest of all time because, like I mentioned, I haven't seen those other dogs that people like Neil Brown that have spanned yes. forty or fifty years of racing. And um, we just have to be so careful. I think comparing different eras. I just don't think we can do it in any real satisfactory way. <laughs> yeah, no, well said. Let's uh, listen to one of her best wins of the year, and this was the Superstayers back in March. Racing. Fair Vale that fast on the inside. Magic Hornet Speed just in behind them. There came Quick Jagger. They were followed next by Rip and Sam and then came Sharp Diamond. Three lengths away then came Azkaban followed by Volt Life Beckham. About ten lengths away to Mix Angel. Down the straight with a lap to go. Fair Vale's leader two in front. Quick Jagger is second. Three or four lengths away then came Magic Hornet Racing third. Going up on the inside Sharp Diamond followed by Rip and Sam. A gap on the race into Azkaban and Volt Life Beckham down the back. Fair Vale the leader being pressed by Quick Jagger on the outside. Fair Vale and Quick Jagger there four or five lengths clear over Sharp Diamond Magic Hornet and Rip and Sam up to the turn Fair on the inside and Quick Jagger they turn for home clear Sharp Diamond's coming down the outside with a big run Fair in front nine group ones and the stake earnings record and Fair wins it from Quick Jagger Rip and Sam coming up the outside I watched the replay of that race this morning Simone and it was an absolute ripper Fair was so tough because they were coming at her from everywhere you had Rip and Sam a little bit off the pace but Quick Jagger and Sharp Diamond they they had two or three goes at her and she just fended them off. So tough. She was. She was just so tough. And she always used to find that little bit, didn't she? I mean, you're up against some front-running stayers like Quick Jagger in that race. And, okay, she could find the lead as well. But she wasn't in the lead. Yep. She had to get there. Um, and then like we heard from Ron, Ribbon Sam was coming down as well. And she did. She just fended them off. She always had that extra extra little gear that um, perhaps some of the other chasers that aren't as good as her haven't got or didn't have. But um, I just love that. And that was um, the all-time stakes record and group nine, group one races. Outstanding. Yeah, phenomenal performance. We've seen, (laughs) we've already mentioned some of the great highlights of the 2018 racing season, but your favourite race of the year, Simone, was? It was definitely the RSN Sandown Cup. And that's not because I'm here at RSN. (laughs) It was just an outstanding race. Excuse me. Although the the winner was Tornado Tears, the run of the race I thought went to Rip and Sam, the kennel mate. Uh, his second place from coming from about 12 lengths off the pace was unbelievable and um, he got within half a length of Tornado Tears. But I will take nothing away from the winner and I'd love to hear this race again, Trent. Here we go. Racing. 
Tornado Tears began well wide out. He's going to scoot across and be second early as Ben Ali went through to lead. Quick Jagger went underneath them. Tornado Tears third got a clear under there. Followed by Moment to Jive and Rippin' Sam not far away. Followed by Dinah Chances, Zipping Nitro and Last Royal Intention. One to go, Ben Ali turns out of the straight in front. Railing Quick Jagger. Tornado Tears two lengths away, looming large now. Four back to Moment to Jive and they've raced away to Rippin' Sam. Off the back, Ben Ali, Quick Jagger. Tornado Tears went for a run, got disappointed. It comes to the outer now. Quick Jagger, Ben Ali. Tornado Tears, Rip and Sam running on late now. They turn Rip and Sam into trouble. Tornado Tears, Quick Jagger. Tornado Tears, grab the lead. Tornado Tears beats Rip and Sam. Quick Jagger in. Moment to jive. There we go. Tornado Tears winning the RSN Sandan Cup back in May. And uh, that was just one of his star performances for the year, Simone. It sure was. Um, there was so many, wasn't there, Trent, up in Queensland as well. And... Uh, you do forget when they're off the scene, when you get caught up in the moment and it's week in, week out, these outstanding runs, and then all of a sudden you don't hear from the dog for a while, he's off with an injury, and you do tend to forget until you go back and look and think, hang on a minute, that dog's had to work awfully hard to win that race. And again, up against these top-line stayers, it's just it's exciting, and I do love staying racing. It is my favourite racing out of the sprint and the staying um, because so much can happen and we've seen that many times this year. Yeah, hopefully we see him back on the track very soon. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. You're listening to Talking Greyhounds on RSN 927, a year in review on our show today. We've just gone through some of the many highlights of the 2018 racing season, including Uphill Jill's Easter Egg win, uh, Striker Light winning the Temley, Fannabale, the Super Stayers, and Tornado Tears, the RSN 927 Sandown Cup. Simone, we're going to talk now about some of the uh, great guests we've had on the show throughout the year, and there's been plenty. I might just hand it over to you for you to uh, talk through some of your highlights. Oh, well, we have had some fabulous guests, Trent, and I'm always very appreciative of the trainers or the people who do give their time because I know what it's like having to get here in the morning, having done dogs before I come and having to get home, and I understand the time constraints that trainers have. They might be on the road getting to trials or, uh, you know, whatever, letting dogs out, galloping, all that type of thing. So, I mean, I, I really do get it and I, I fully appreciate every minute that they do give us. So we have had some fabulous guests, but perhaps my favourite interview trend, and I, I think you might agree with me here, yeah. is when we had Peter Tai, um, part owner of Winks, on the show, um, it wasn't particularly dog-related, although there was a connection, but he was just such a humble man. Um, talking about giving time, he... He was on the show for 20 minutes and I could have spoken to him for another hour. Yeah. And he was just so humble and so generous with his time. And um, it was just it was just one of those moments in my, my nearly 20 years of doing media that I sort of thought I was really happy with that interview. Yep. Um, and I just, I don't know, it's just one of those things that I guess you work towards for a long time to get that moment that you're happy with in the guests, and that was it. Yeah, no, he's a lovely man, Peter Ty, and very accommodating and giving him his time to uh, the media in general, in particular here at RSN 927. And I remember that uh, little story he told of one of his first dogs. He took up the road. It might have been Capalabar or someone yeah. like that, and I think the dog finished third, and he got $3, $3. or <laughs> something like that as prize money, how times have changed. But, uh, no, he loves his uh, his racing and his greyhound racing as well. He's a... 
He's a great man, Peter Ty, and as I said, he's uh, very giving of his time here on RSN 927. So I, I do recall that interview vividly as well, Simone. It was an absolute ripper. We also spoke to uh, Matt, Height, uh, Matt Height recently as well, and that was a, uh, an interesting interview from a totally different perspective. It sure was. It was a real reality check, wasn't it, um, when he shared his elation at training, his first winner since his life-changing stroke that occurred back in September 2016. His greyhound walk in the walk that he admitted has really helped in his rehabilitation and his mental state um, to get out onto the track at Warrigal. Okay, he didn't handle the greyhound. That is his goal, to handle his dog at the races. But the fact he was there, he could stand up out of his wheelchair with his family around him after the dog won. And um, just the daily struggles that he encounters and we take for granted, get out of bed, go and do the dogs, walk around letting them in and out. And, you know, him getting bogged in his wheelchair... It was just one of those interviews, again, those human nature interviews, not particularly about um, winning a Melbourne Cup. Yes. But really, you know, made you think. Yeah. No, there's a few dogs in the, the industry like that, and they give people a purpose. You know, with I, I think of Chips and Trains and uh, My Redeemer as well, who won the, mm. the Melbourne Cup, of course, who's got one of the owners who's quite sick, so... <clears throat> No, they're very, very much a special animal, as uh, we both know. Uh, I recall your interview with Paul Westerfeld as well, the stud master of the great Fernando Bale. That was another interesting one. It was. Um, Paul's the ultimate professional. Um, his operation is just world-class, first-class. I don't think you would find a speck of dirt at his kennels <laughs> any time of the day or night. Um, and he is really reaping the, wa- the rewards of being probably one of the best ever stud masters. Of course, the stud scene has changed, and he has spoken about that in other interviews he's done with me. But we were talking particularly about Fernando Bale and um, his start in the stud career, and um, he's been phenomenal. I don't think anyone has ever seen a stud dog come onto the scene like him. Yeah. So at the time, Fernando Bale was ranked at 1,519, and six, me- six months later since the interview, he's ranked at... 3,227, so almost doubled that. And he's finished the year with an outstanding progeny, having won 15 Group 1 races. Gee whiz. For, you could say, a first season, probably coming into second season, sire. Yeah, no, he's... Um, can, you, can you recall a dog that's hit the ground running like that at stud? Never. Um, never, Trent. And I, I guess you think about Brett Lee and yes. his influence on the stud scene, but um, I still think that... Fernando Bale has trumped that and I mean I'm not a statistics person Mm. and I know there'll be breeders that can just rattle statistics off and give you the tally the running tally and and all that and um, they would have a lot more to say than what I can actually say but um, from memory the amount of time I've been in the greyhounds um, I've never seen a stud dog and not have group one winners throw group winners but not this volume in such a short period of time yeah no he's an absolute star looking forward to seeing more of his progeny hit the racetrack. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show Dundee Osprey, unfortunately, passing away uh, earlier in the week. And we also lost El Gran Senor, the champ this year. We did, and that was a sudden shock to the racing community because a less than 12 months earlier, Trent, he'd um, been inducted into Greyhound Racing's Hall of Fame here in Victoria. He was the 2010 Victorian and Australian Greyhound of the Year and the winner of the Triple Crown, which was the Australian and Melbourne Cups and also the Top Gun at the time. His greatest victory being that 2010 Melbourne Cup. Okay, time for our highlights of the year now. I might start with mine, if you don't mind, Simone. Go for it. Just uh, from a general observation point of view, I had the pleasure of being up in Brisbane for their Winter Carnival and... Uh, each week I'd go up and Tornado Tears would just break the track record. He was just uh, <laughs> doing it for fun in the end. And um, that was a real highlight for me, seeing him absolutely dominate up there on 
you know, breaking track records that have stood for a, a very long time um, and to do it in the fashion that he did on a track that can be hard to make up ground for him to just um, do what he was doing was a real real pleasure to be there. I bet it was, Trent, and I, I haven't been up there on a race night, so it's probably something that I do need to do at some stage. But my racing highlight really hit me a couple of days after the event, and that was the Melbourne Cup um, with My Redeemer. And David Gill brought My Redeemer up into the top of the grandstand after the night was over, basically, for the few people that were up there. But David's such a humble man. And it's something that at the time I thought, oh, here's My Redeemer. You know, I've got a photo with him. Um, David only lives a kilometre up the road from me. I could probably go and yeah. do that any time. But it wasn't until later and I thought, hang on a minute. Um, this is nothing unusual to me to see a greyhound. But there's some people up there that could actually get down and give him a pat because he'd been swabbed and all, all the formalities were done. I thought, what an amazing gesture, um, bringing the greyhound to the people. Um, and it wasn't until, like I say, a couple of days later, it really hit me how poignant that was. Yeah, no, it was a tremendous thing to do. And uh, Mick Sharkey, who does some work here at RSN 927, who's a Galvis man, but his daddy's on the board, um, he texted me the very next morning and said, oh, gee, I had a great night last night. Can you believe they took um, the, the winner up into the stand and I got to pat him and have a photo with him? He, he was he was wrapped and he said, that's the best form of marketing and promotion yeah. you can do for the sport. So... No, fantastic stuff from from David Gill. That that was a real highlight that night. For as bad as the weather was, and it was <laughs> yes. a shocker, it certainly didn't take away from the gloss of what was a tremendous night with the story of my redeemer and David Gill. Just so humble. I remember him trying to do the post race interview on Sky straight after, and he just said, "No, nah, I can't talk. I've got to walk away. I just I got no words here. I just can't do it. Come back and see me later." So, uh, no, that was that was great stuff. But uh, Trent, personally, the highlight for me, in a completely different, um, I guess, context, was. Being up on stage at the Industry Awards night and I was interviewing Max Wintle after I'd basically inducted him into Greyhound Racing's Hall of Fame and we, I knew he was going to talk but I didn't know that... <laughs> you I got more than you bargained for. I sure did and look, you know, generally I can wrap an interview up. I've been doing <laughs> it for a long time but every tactic I had, I couldn't get him off the stage and um, I had people down on the floor, you know, the neck Wanting and hand trying to yep. get, you know, cut the, cut my head off, get him off. And then I had the crowd booing me, which I found out later because they wanted more. They were enjoying these stories about him and Lindsay Fox being out in the middle of the ocean with the <laughs> Queen Mary ship in the background coming towards them and all these things. It was just a remarkable night. Um, he eventually did get taken off the stage <laughs> and I know his family was sitting there sort of thinking, oh, Dad, come on. But... Um, it is the talking point of that awards night. Yeah. I have people coming up to me saying that made the night. And um, so personally, I think, well, I played a big role in that. Yes. A, trying to get him off, but trying to keep it um, professional and keep it together. And I think we achieved that. Yeah, no, good stuff. All right, time for our runs of the year. We've both uh, nominated one. It's obviously a very uh, select uh, field to choose from. And you've come up with one from back in January. And well done for remembering this. Uh, do you want to introduce it? I will. And uh, Trent, I know this is very subjective. Um, this is not going to be everyone's run of the year, but um, for a number of reasons, this is the run of Extreme Magic back in January, on Australia Day actually. After having two months off racing, she came to win a mixed, four and f mixed fourth and fifth grade at the Meadows, but um, the way she did it had to be seen to be believed. 
Racing, Extreme Magic appeared to blunder at the start there and away pretty fast and the outsiders crook me kindly. Over on the inside, Pants on Fire down and out the first bend there were not available and also Alan Gerwin racing down the back straight though and uh, going uh, right back through the field at that point was crook me kindly and shooting away now is Pants on Fire. It's about six lengths out in front, zipping up a second. They were followed by Extreme Magic to the outside. Spots leader six on the bend, followed then by Kurt Mayhem. In the straight though, Pants on Fire clear, steaming home, Extreme Magic will get up extreme magic jumping out of the ground's got up to win it from pants on fire and zippy down. Well, i think as we heard from uh, hawk's call there i think even he was surprised to see extreme magic <laughs> it just absolutely grew wings it sure did and um look we look at runs of poke the bear over the last few weeks and the ballarat cup with aston Cometo and all that and tornado tears they're all yep. very worthy of run of the year but it was just one that stood out to me um and it was a long time ago and i haven't forgotten it yeah. so it gets no. the Guernsey from me. Great choice. I tossed up between Aston Kometo's Ballarat Cup win, which was just phenomenal, and poked the bear at the Meadows a couple of weeks ago. I settled on the ladder. Let's uh, have a listen to the call. And go racing, poke the bear, slow to begin, back near the tail to settle. Away fast there, Dinah Harper, grab the lead from Pants on fire around the first turn. There, poke the bear, he's got a bit of uh, work to do from there. He's last on the turn out of the straight and down the back, Pants on fire. Five lengths clear, Dinah Harper, then Dinah Oscar. Poke the bear's getting up on the inside rail, ten off the lead though, followed then by Peter Allen, then came wide on Ginger, and Deringa turning for home, Pants on fire, the leader. In second spot, Dinah Harper, poke the bear, flashing through, he'll get up! Poke the Bear from last has got up to win it from... Uh, another ripper call from Hawk. Poke the Bear getting up right on the wire there, storming along the uh, along the rail. He did... I, it's, I suppose he had some favours in the run, Simone, and he didn't really go around another dog, but uh, still to to get there, and you've you've got to get the job done, and he did that. Yeah, and in great time, too. It was around 29.80. Yeah, or something, another slick it? run from him on Thursday night in the free-for-all, oh, 29.15, I think it yeah, was. So. low-flying at the moment. He's certainly um, uh, in a rich vein of form, Poke the Bear, and uh, can't wait to see what he can do next year, along with some of the other stars that we've mentioned throughout this show. It's been really enjoyable looking back on the year that was. Jeez, there's been plenty of highlights, hasn't there? And I know there will be many that we've mm, missed out, Yeah, Trent, absolutely. But obviously, we can only try and um, take a bit of a snapshot. But I think we've been really blessed this year. We've, um, you know, from a few years ago where... We're in dire straits. Yes. And now we just think, gee, this, if this is the comeback, what's ahead of us yep. as well? Because we've lost a lot of greyhounds along the way this year just from retirement, the top liners. But um, we've got some that are, you know, replacing them already. And it's exciting, I think, what's ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are out of time for our final show of 2018 and my final show ever. Simone, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this with you each and every Saturday morning. So thank you for everything. And uh, I'll keep my tail wagging as everyone else will. And uh, best of luck with the 100th show and beyond. Uh, thanks so much, Trent. I've really enjoyed working with you as well. I'm sure we'll cross paths somewhere in the future. But um, it's been great the last six months. Thank you. You can hear the replay of the best of Talking Trots at rsn.net.au.